mentioned we begin today a five-part series. It's called Motive Six. It's called Motive Six because we're going to talk about the idea of motive as, as, it, as it relates to the role of stewardship in all of our areas of our lives. This is in the middle of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. He's speaking to the people, and he's giving them sort of their, their kingdom orders. This is marching orders for behavior in the kingdom. And so smack dab there, he talks about these issues of motive. And uh, it's all in Matthew 6. We'll spend five weeks just going straight through Matthew 6. Um, and it's about motive, so thus the <laughs> dumb name, Motive 6. Um, we're going to watch a short video here that, uh, that sort of pokes fun at some of the reasons why we give uh, or don't give in church. It's by a couple guys who call themselves the skit guys. You've seen them before. Let's watch this video here. I give to God by enjoying what he has given me. Okay? I mean, do you really think he expects something back? Now, I know there's a lot of people at church that would not understand this line of reasoning. That's why, just to make things simple and not to cause any controversy, I like to carry what I call the little empty envelope, all right? You see, when the plate gets passed, I bloop, put it in there like that, and the deacon's counting the money. They only know me as the crazy empty envelope guy, but the people sitting around me, clueless. <laughs> I win, they win, God wins. No one gets hurt because no one knows. God knows. Huh? Let me ask you a question, huh? How's your mutual funds? Hey, for that matter, how's all your funds? Has, has the fund left your funds, huh? Has your dole need taken a W-A-L-K, huh? <laughs> what if I told you that I knew about an investment you could make that the return would be mind-boggling? And, 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 it's, and it's promised. It's guaranteed. I know what you're saying. There's no guarantees. This one's guaranteed, okay? Malachi 3.10. So it says in the Old Testament. It says, test me. Give to God, and he will give you back. It goes like this. I give this. He gives this. I give this, he gives this. I give this. <laughs> I'm right up there. He keeps giving. I can't outgive God. How crazy is that? <laughs> Do I love him? Sure, whatever. I'm just saying, if you give, he gives back. <laughs> I tithe. But just not like in the form of a 10% check, per se. Let me tell you what I mean. When I go to church on a Sunday morning, they're selling donuts. I buy some. Boom. That's a tithe. When my whole Sunday school class wants donuts, and I, out of the goodness of my heart, buy a whole bunch for the Sunday school class, boom. That's another tithe. But it's not about me spending money. It's about the smile on people's faces. That, my friends, is tithe enough for me. Case in point, the church was having date nights where we could take our spouse out for an evening, and they were charging $25 for child care. Boom shakalaka tithe. I'll tell you what the biggest tithe was. When I spent over $100 on our meal, and my wife was grinning ear to ear, that, my friends, a tithe. I, w I would like to give. I would, okay? But everything right now is just crazy. I mean, just crazy, you know? I mean, not normal crazy, really crazy, you know? And if after I paid my bills and took care of the things that I need and want, then I would, I would consider giving something, but not, now it's crazy. We're, we're, we're going to give later. We've already talked about it. I mean, down the road, we'll be crazy givers, but right now, it's just crazy. 
Yeah, I have money. That's a fact. But you know what? It's a hard thing between me and the Lord and the pastor because he needs to know what I'm giving now that we have this little building campaign going on, if you know what I'm saying. And pastor, I'd give a little bit more. I'd give a little something, something if you'd have that music minister sing a couple more hymns now and then, huh? Hey, what's this? Watch this. Is that a Benjamin? I think it is. Benji likes hymns. Come on. You want it? Come on, pastor. Do what I say, huh? <laughs> oh, in my life, Lord, be glorified in me. I put money in the plate. Wait, wait, wait. Look what I have here. I hope it doesn't interfere. But that everyone can hear how I give with cheer that everyone could be like me. Uh, The passage we're talking about today, in a sense, isn't really about our giving at church generally. And and that's what that was about. But it did touch on this issue of motive and why we give. And and today we're going to talk about why we give to serve the needy uh, mostly. Um, The the reason we need to talk about this is because giving the money away is, is tricky. Giving the money away can be tricky. You have to be careful because it can be everything from an act of charity to an act of influence peddling, and at times, outright bribery. You have to be careful because it's hard to know what the motive is from the outside looking in. The interpretation of the action of giving requires an understanding of the person's motive. So how we give, the manner in which we give, the reasons why, all of that, the motive behind our giving is of utmost importance for the follower of Christ. There is a uh, a church nearby about two decades ago that was going through some challenges that had become quite divisive. And and one Sunday, uh, the contention was so bad that a sort of fist fight broke out between some folks and the police had to actually show up. And and it it got quite ugly. The next Sunday, (laughs) there was a woman who walked in. She was accompanied by her big and burly football-playing grandson. And and the youth minister at that church had never seen her in his two and a half years there on staff. And so he walks up to this this woman and her grandson there and and gives a smile and and, and puts his hand out. and, And she just went right by, just marched right on by. And the grandson sort of flashed this, sorry she made me, kind of face. Uh, while they walked past, she marched right up to the communion table, stomped up those stairs, grabbed the golden offering plates, dumped them out on top of the communion table, and with a touch of panache, carried them away in a huff. She created a scene in front of everyone. You know why? Because a long time ago, her family had given those plates. And she was coming to take him back. (laughs) Apparently, the family had never really given the plates to the church. Turns out, they were just on loan. Till such time as the church failed to make them happy. The youth minister that was telling me this story said, 
the next week, he found that placing the money in those old wooden trays was a lot more satisfying and that they were easier to pass because there were no strings attached. <laughs> the reason we give is of utmost important importance for the follower of Jesus. It's not a gift if the motive is, I need you to do something for me in any shape or form. Let's open up Matthew 6 for a few minutes here and look at what Jesus has to tell us on this motive in our giving issue. We're in 6, 1 to 4, so let's dive in and listen to the words of Jesus today. This is chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. He says this, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Verse 3, But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And the Father who sees in secret will reward you. Look back at verse 1 for just a second here. This is where Jesus lays out the thesis statement for this whole following section that we're going to look at for the first three weeks. He lays out this thesis statement for all of verses 1 through 18, in a sense, 2 through 18 following here. This is all about giving and about prayer and about fasting. So when Jesus, by the way, when he lists these three practices, he lists giving, prayer, and fasting, he's following the common Jewish practice of rabbis listing three examples which follows from the thesis. So, so there's this, this main first verse and then the three examples following. Now these aren't an exhaustive list of all the ways that verse 1 applies to their lives. But for Jewish people growing up, these were the three that you did. These were the expectations for being a good Jew of living out, of practicing your righteousness. So Jesus says, beware, be careful of how you practice that righteousness. Look at verses 2 and 5 and 16 if you're taking notes here. You'll notice these are the three sections here. He says the principle of verse 1, and then in verse 2 he says, thus, when you give to the needy. And then in verse 5 he says, and when you pray. And then again in verse 16 he says, and when you fast. So he's broken up this whole section in the first three weeks of our sermon series here on giving today, prayer next week, and then fasting in the third week. He says this, be careful, beware of practicing your righteousness. This is verse 1. Do not do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them, because if you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. These sermons for us in this series, will all revolve around the ways in which God has called us to practice our righteousness, as Jesus says here. To practice our righteousness in ways that we are gaining for ourselves, as Jesus says, true treasures. True treasures in heaven and not on earth. More about that later. Back to verse 1. Jesus says this, be careful. <laughs> he doesn't say, do not do them before men. He doesn't say don't do it before men because some of that, frankly, is sort of unavoidable. 
At the same church that I talked about before, where the lady stole back her offering plates, the minister there, he didn't put his offering in the plate when he was up front because of this verse. He didn't want to be seen before men. Well, of course, what happened is the elders chided him for not being a good example of giving to the congregation. You can't win for losing. You can't do it perfectly either way. And Jesus isn't saying you can't do this before men at all. I mean, when we pass the plates and you put your huge check in there, somebody's going to see it. I'm just kidding. Some of this is unavoidable. But he says, be careful because he knows that the condition of our hearts, our tendency is to give with strings attached. Even for us as believers, not so that we can be seen before men, not, not so that you see what I give, but so that I can set up even for myself this sort of self-righteous practice by which I maintain my gold star in my Bible. Jesus wants us to give for the right reasons. So today, the principle of this passage, our big idea today is this. We're stating it this way. Giving is right when it's because we love God and it's for his glory. Those are the two blanks today. Giving is right when it's because we we love God and it's for his glory, not in order to convince others or ourselves that we love God. Not to convince others or ourselves that we love God. When Jesus says to be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, in verse 1, he's referring back in chapter 5 to, verses, uh, to verse 20, especially, where he says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Oh, okay, Jesus. <laughs> Thanks for that encouragement. I guess that pretty much means... I don't have the slightest chance, eh? To which Jesus responds, yep, you've got it. No chance. Because you couldn't and we cannot outgive a Pharisee. None of these people sitting here listening to Jesus talk had the slightest chance to outgive a Pharisee. But they could give with the right motive, with the right heart. And so Jesus is saying to these people listening to him, you giving with the right heart and condition and motive because you love me and you care about my glory means that if you give a penny with the right motive, that'll outdo any Pharisee any day. Verse 2. He talked about how money that is given with the wrong motive is announced with trumpets, like the hypocrites. Now, some preachers, some preachers will, will tell you that they used to blow trumpets when, when they were giving in the synagogues. That's not really quite true. They blew trumpets at certain times with, with certain feasts and to announce and signal to people that, that worship was beginning. They even played drums at times to, to announce that worship was happening. But they didn't blow trumpets to signal their giving. You see, what Jesus is doing here is he's using this trumpet imagery to say that some people make such a show of their own piety that they might as well have brought out trumpets to announce it. You see, Jesus is being funny. 
Jesus is being funny here. And the people listening to this would probably break a little smile when they heard Jesus say that. Jesus is saying that those who give to be noticed, those who give to be noticed, have already received their reward. The trumpets have already sounded. That's as good as it gets for them. When you give, Jesus says, keep it quiet. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Now, in a sense, again here, Jesus is sort of being funny when he says that. I mean, if this is you during the offering, taking it from here while your other hand's behind, you're like, oh, hold on just a second. Okay, all right. So that your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing, you're sort of missing the point. Jesus isn't being serious about the hidden hand thing, obviously, but he was making a serious point that you don't have to take secrecy as some sort of law, even at this point. The point about secrecy and, and keeping your hands hidden from one another has been, has been exaggerated by some to mean that we have to talk about our giving the way we sort of talk about our sins sometimes. Either not at all, or with hushed tones and sort of darting eyes. He's saying, don't make a show of your giving. But don't be afraid of others knowing. Verse 3, he says, when you give to the needy. He doesn't say if. He doesn't say, when you get to that point someday, when you are prepared to do that, and you may not be now. He's making the assumption all along, when you give to the needy. He assumes that people will help the poor, but he tells them to be careful about how they do it to ensure the right motive. There's a lot more we could say here about, about motive and, and giving. But for us today, to apply this principle to us as a, as a congregation, in this stewardship sermon, I want to sort of take the camera off of, of you and I in our, in our personal giving, because this text isn't explicitly about giving to the church in general terms. This text is primarily about giving to the poor and to the needy. And I believe that the church is supposed to model not just proper actions, but proper motive. So let's apply this motive issue to the church and, and, and how we help the needy. Think about this with me for a second here. I think, it's, I think it's poor practice for a church to tell you to give selflessly and quietly and then turn around and spend lavishly on itself. We all know examples of televangelists who prey on the humble giver only to turn around and buy their 15th Rolex. And it's not only that, but if the church makes a big deal out of giving to the poor, and then they announce it to everybody, that church's motives need to be examined. If, if every time we house the homeless and we feed the poor, we hand out press releases and wear First Christian Church t-shirts so that everybody knows then our own motives may need to be examined. Let's face it. There are churches that seem to give to the needy in such a way that they seem to be using their giving as a way to curry favor with potential believers 
as if it's about gaining a greater market share instead of about actually meeting somebody's needs or demonstrating through the correct motive of meeting somebody's needs a world that needs to watch and see that happen for real. It's common in churches today to announce openly how wonderful they are when it comes to causes that the world pretends to care about. We cannot model caring for the needy just like the professional athlete required to pay a $50,000 fine to a charity then does five hours of public service announcements in the form of commercials. So for us, let this be the beginning of stewardship for us to the needy. Let us commit ourselves to helping those in need for the right kind of reasons. Committing ourselves to to practicing, practicing genuine goodness because it's the right and good thing to do. Committing to quietly going about doing the work of generosity that God has called us to. We don't need to blow trumpets every time we help others. We don't need to give in order to repair the image of the church in our culture. Instead, may we quietly and lovingly and in a Christ-like fashion offer ourselves and our giving to those who need it. We promise to be that kind of church here. And we want to invite you to give to this community and to those who need in that same kind of spirit. Let's pray. Lord, we want to be people who increasingly learn to give because it reflects your love and care for people who need to know you and who need to be fed, who need to be clothed. May we be people whose outward focus with our generosity is in a manner that accords with your heart and your character and your nature. Father, forgive us for all the the varied ways and reasons that sin affects how we give and how we help the needy. We ask, Lord, that despite the fact that we live in a fallen world, that you would take our best efforts and that you would use them for the sake of your cause and for your glory. Not just because it helps meet a need, but because it extends love and grace to those that need to experience what you have for them. We just humbly ask that you would make us a community that thinks and acts like that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you're a baptized believer in Jesus and you're looking for a church home, we'd like to invite you now, as we stand in just a second, to come forward and place membership with us. Or if you've never named Jesus publicly in the waters of baptism, we ask that as we stand to sing that you would come forward. Let's sing together.